Right, I'll see you tomorrow. Trying to think of some good questions between now and then. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo, welcome to episode 21 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi pro cyclist is a pro without a paycheck. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who likes teasing journalists, but only when they're in a good mood. Okay, so a review, a new review this week from Being Time. Good stuff and worth a listen. Great discussions, motivating too. Short, sharp, to the point, Being Time. Thank you very much for taking the time out to drop this. I really do appreciate it. And if you listening... If you do enjoy the show, how about some comment love on iTunes? It gets me pumped. It keeps me motivated to deliver the best cycling content to you. Thank you very much. Now the news, and someone is trying to bump Team Britain off their perch. Wiggins, Sutton, now Cavendish. I hope everyone gets patched up and back to full strength next year. Even if Wigo isn't riding the tour with the aim of winning, I don't want any excuses when Cadell beats him. Bam. Other quick show news, I'm putting together a ride list for when I'm in the Alps next year. If you have any suggestions, you've been there and done some riding yourself, or you've put together some rides that you'll be doing next year, and you can invite me on, I have already had a suggestion from Rod via Twitter, and he's recommended Col de Sachin. Sorry for my French accent. Um, it's 1,999 meters, and Stark Beauty were the words that Rod described it. So pretty much, I'm there, Rod. If you're going to join me, just let me know. Alrighty then, let's get to the nuts and bolts. And this week, it's what I didn't know and wish I did about buying a bike online. We are going back to basics this week. I'm not trying to insult you by doing this, but I am about to buy a bike. And because of my location, I'm going to buy it online. Don't hate me, but I shit you not, there is not one bike shop where I live. Absolutely not one. Saying this though, this is not the first time that I've ordered a bike online. So I'm going to cover the common pitfalls. I feel I am experienced with this for a few reasons, but I'm going to start with this and then in another episode, once I have the bike, I'm going to look more closely at biomechanics and fine tuning the fit in a DIY style. When you're buying a bike or if you were to go and buy a bike online, what would be your biggest concern? Returns, warranty, service, getting laughed at at the shop when you try and take it into the shop after you've bought it. All of these things are major concerns, but the first thing that I think about is size. Like when I'm ordering any clothes or shoes, I have bought wrong sizes in the past. It's like I know my shoe size, I know my clothes size, but I don't know how the manufacturer makes their own sizes and are they a standard measurement. And it's kind of funny because as soon as you buy the wrong size clothes or shoes, it renders that item useless and you generally lose the money that you save from buying it online in the first place. Well, unless, of course, you are in the USA and you've got Zappos. And I really hope that all online customer service comes around and one day all ends up like Zappos. So today I'm going to walk you through the basics of how to fit a road bicycle. Sorry, I absolutely love this dude's voice. I've just got to hear that one more time. Today, I'm going to walk you through the basics of how to fit a road bicycle. Yes, today we're going to look at the basics, 
but not how to fit a bike, more like what size to buy based on your own measurements. And why? Because I got it wrong. Straight up, let me say I got my sizing wrong in the past, all the way from Taiwan to Australia. Ouch. But... Lucky for me, I was sent two frames by accident, and here's what I'm doing differently this time, and hopefully you can learn from my mistakes. The crazy thing is, like I said before, I know my bike sizes. Like, who doesn't, right? You know, you have a bike now, it fits fine, you just go and measure it and order the same frame. You know, it's that simple, right? Yeah, huh. I thought, because I ride a 56 on the road and a 17 or 18 off the road, it couldn't be easier. Other important measurements that I use when looking at it are the bottom bracket center to the top of the seat and from the center of the handlebars to the tip of the saddle. So how did I get it wrong? Three words, head tube length, plus the old favorite of slamming the stem without even thinking about how high your bike stack is actually going to be. Well, I will get to that in a moment, but first I want to touch a little on what bike measurements really count. Besides my specific mistake, there's only two lengths on a bike that are crucial to bike fit. So here's a little story on the history of bike frames. Long, long ago, well, up until the late 90s, almost all bikes had horizontal top tubes due to manufacturing constraints. These were lugs and lug frames with only fixed angles, and they tended to have a certain proportion between height and length in order to fit the average rider. Less flexibility in production techniques meant standardization amongst frames. But today is a totally different story. Don't quote me on this, but I would say ever since Giant started making bikes for Onse in the late 90s, shit started to change. So Giant introduced the compact frame. They introduced carbon as well. But that threw the standard top tube measurement out the window. It was lost forever. In addition to this, carbon molding has been getting more advanced. Brands are now able to hydroform aluminium into gnarly shapes, etc., etc. So, so not only has standardization in frames gone, so has the ability to adapt to variations in leg torso proportion for people with the same height. Which means basically that it's perfectly plausible to have two frames with the same seat tube and significantly different effective top tube lengths and vice versa. So how do you get the right size? Which is the measurement that counts the most? Effective top tube length is key. The most important measurement is not the seat tube, but the effective top tube. If you have a bike that works for you, measure the effective top tube length. Having this number allows you to compare frames from different manufacturers and bikes built for different purposes. This is done by simply measuring from the center of the head tube where the top tube joins it horizontally back to the center of the seat post. So regardless of what your top tube looks like, you just have a horizontal line and the measurements based on that. People do talk about standover height, but I think it's a little overrated in today's bike world. Yes, it does play a factor as far as you have to stand over your bike and have some room to move, so you're not going to crunch yourself if you're just getting off a bike by accident or whatever. But when it comes down to it, like I mentioned before, top tubes and bikes are all so differently shaped these days that standover height Standover height itself is a moot point when it comes to checking a bike. Sure, you can move down the hierarchy and just check that it's all in place, but really, effective top tube is it. This week, I thought it would be fun, in my weird, perverse, fun way of doing things, to break down the ideal-sized bike based on my experience 
and then test it out with three online bike fit calculators to see how they compare. So different bikes mean different frames and measurements and geometry. Don't forget geometry. And this is where it starts to get tricky. So my first step is looking at my past bikes and comparing them to frame measurements and geometry to each other. For me, my Good old Scott CR1 from around 2007 was a bike straight off the shelf that I didn't make any changes to because it just worked. So it's my baseline for a good fitting bike. In comparison to this, the bike that I bought online, the Velocite Magnus, I got it wrong, but I was still able to ride it for a a little while, a couple of rides. And I'm not sure if you know about this company, but they are predominantly making sales through their online store. It's a comparison of the other sort in the other direction. So I thought it would be good to place these on either side on the bike that I want to purchase. And the bike that I want to purchase is the Canyon Ultimate Out. It's an online brand from Germany, and they are the only company that will ship directly to me. Noted it is for a massive, massive premium, but I can handle it anyway. So let's look at the comparison. So essentially what I did, I found all the frame geometry and size charts from the bikes that I want to compare to each other, lined them up, got the measurements for the frames that I owned and for two sizes of the Canyon Ultimate Owl, the medium and the large, which roughly equate to 56 and 58, but it is way too hard to tell whether those numbers actually mean anything. So I popped it in a Google spreadsheet and had some comparison charts that made it very simple just to visualize exactly what's going on when comparing the two together. So I compared the Scott and the Canyon, the Magnus and the Canyon, and the Scott again against the Canyon the large frame. There is a couple of things worth pointing out here, namely the reach, which includes the effective top tube length and the stem added together. These two are quite important when looking at what stem you will actually need to order when you're ordering the bike. Another one is, like I mentioned, the head tube length. I mentioned this at the start of the show because I did get it totally wrong. And if you check the difference between the Scott and the Velocite, it's a whopping 25 millimeters. That may not seem like a lot, but I'll tell you, I felt it from the first ride and pretty much every single ride on that bike, I regretted slamming the stem because I couldn't put any spaces in once it was done and it was a little ulchy wah-wah on the back of my neck. So I don't know what I was thinking, but this time it's going to be different. I'm going to make my assessment of the frame that I want to buy based on having no spaces but the correct head tube length because that is the most pro way to do it. You're able to fool people into thinking you're super pro when your bike might be actually a little bit higher than the total slam stem look, flip down and super long. So if I just have a quick look without indulging too much into my own measurements at the major differences between what I want to buy and what I have ridden in the past, I can see that with the Scott comparing to the Canyon that the head tube on the Scott was 170 It'll be 166 by the time I configure everything into the head tube plus the iLock headset that they have on the Canyon. There'll be a minus four millimeter difference. I'm cool with that. It's not 25 mil. My body should be able to adjust to that. The top tube, 560 on the Scott, 549 on the Canyon. If I drop a 120 millimeter stem on the Canyon compared to the 110 on the Scott, it's going to be a minus one difference. 
That's not crazy at all. These angles themselves are not too different. We're only talking a quarter of a degree when it comes to the difference. So it's not going to affect the measurements themselves by too much either. Then if you look at the comparison of the Magnus to the Canyon, the head tube, the Canyon medium is 21 millimeters longer, which is a good thing. The top tube is six millimeters longer with a standard stem. That's a good thing as well. Then you compare the large, and you're talking about head tube is 16 millimeters higher above the Scott. So that that's a large difference. I don't know if I could handle having it propped up that high. The top tube is longer on the Canyon, so it means I would have to write a shorter stem. I'm not into that. So it kind of really straight away points to me that the medium on the Canyon is the bike for me. I'd have to make slight adjustments to my stem length and I'll probably play between a 110 and a 120 to get it right, but everything else seems to work here. So the decision that I'm going for here is the M. Style-wise, riding a little smaller is always going to work out a little cooler. But on a serious note, if you sit right in the middle between two frames, Going to the smaller size is going to be easier to add things to rather than subtract away from. So now that I've got my own recommendation to myself, which is a medium, which online bike calculator is going to give me the closest to that? So I can make a recommendation for you just as a starting point. So I've got three here and the measurements that I plugged into each of these online calculators were based on my own standard measurements. And I used the same ones for for all three. The measurements themselves in the calculators did vary slightly, but not too much. Maybe weight and shoe size over forearm versus arm length, things like that. So just slight variations when it comes down to it. So number one is the competitive cyclist calculator. This is by far the gold standard in regards to the website setup and the clarity of being able to make the measurements. It has short web videos for each measurement, which makes the process a lot easier, and it runs through each of them very quickly. And so as long as you have a friend there, you'll be able to nail this off in 10 minutes or less. It spits out three types of fit, which actually brings up a pretty good point. This point is that I'm a racer. Well, I currently just like to think I'm a racer, but my heritage of cycling is in racing. Listen to me, what a wanker. So along the way, you've got to make decisions for yourself as far as what type of style of riding I'm going to be doing on this bike. If you're listening to this podcast, I believe you're competitive in some way, whether it is racing or Grand Fondos or Sportifs or whatever it is. So you want that edge when it comes to looking good and riding fast by not having some propped up stem at the front, some fugly plus six degree stem popping up the front. It's just not cool. And so the competitive fit for me out of the three, which there is three, competitive fit, the Eddy fit and the French fit, which essentially they just get larger and larger. So the competitive fit had my seat tube range at 55.7 to 56.2. This is... This is 1.2 to 1.7 centimetres larger than the frame that I've chosen. I don't think this is a major issue. Yes, popping the seat up on a smaller bike will mean, due to the geometry, that my reach will lengthen. But this is not an issue because if I go back to my chart for the difference between the Scott and the Canyon, if I go back, then there's minus one there, so it may shift back to being a couple of millimeters extra short. I actually came across a website where I was able to plug in the dimensions of the stem and the frame and the reach, and then it spits out 
in a visual format the comparison between the two. I've got the picture on the website and you can have a look that yes, it will bring it up and back slightly, but I'm willing to take this gamble. I think that because of the frames being so different that this is not going to be a major factor when I'm trying to adjust to a brand new bike. I just don't think it's going to be a problem when I'm doing this. So the other measurement is the top tube length, which they recommend 53.1 to 53.5, which is 54.9 is the bike that I've chosen. So it is up to 1.8 centimeters larger. I got no beef with this again, because if I'm propped back because the seat tube is smaller, then that means that my reach will adjust to a nicer height. But essentially, this has no bearing on the bike that I'm buying because they're only recommendations. Uh, I'm not going to go into the Eddie Fit or the French Fit. It's useful if the if you want to ride your bike a little bit bigger, but I don't see anyone doing that these days. Maybe some old school dudes that just like to have the handful of post, seat posts out. But no one I know is riding a bike based on old fits these days. So it's not even worth mentioning anymore. So the next one was wrenchscience.com and wrenchscience.com has the calculator so you can go through the process and then buy a bike on their website based on their recommendations, which I think is a pretty good way to do it. I'm sure most online, big online companies are trying to do it these days, but they're very, very general when they do it. And even by the name of Wrench Science, it seems like they're just trying to hone in a little bit more on the importance of a bike fit when you're buying it, or it's a good, unique selling proposition to get you to buy a bike, whatever. But what it spat out for me was probably the closest to what I'm going to choose. So the frame size, center to center, 54.9 is the bike that I want to get and 54 centimeters. So it's 0.9 of a centimeter difference, slightly larger, which is quite interesting to me because I think that the bike that I've chosen is slightly on the small side. The other factors that they've got in here are overall reach, which they have two centimeters larger, which means I would be splayed out a little bit longer on the bike. I'm not too opposed to that, but it's interesting that that a calculator would actually spit this out because generally I've found that the trend is to move towards shorter top tubes and, and sh- shorter reach overall. So having a recommendation for longer, it would be interesting to see what stem they recommend um, based on certain types of bikes. Saddle height, essentially the same. We're not talking very far off. I ride a 74 from center to top, and they've recommended 73.73. So that's pretty close. And saddle height is not one of those things that always stays the same. When I get back on the bike, I'll be testing out my flexibility and mobility. Remember last week's episode? I'll be testing out my mobility, and I may be able to adjust that saddle height depending on my mobility. Reach is another thing that can change depending on your flexibility, which is actually taken into account in the competitive cyclist calculator. Handlebar width, 42 centimeters. That's exactly what I ride. So it's it's pretty spot on as far as the recommendation that I made for myself. Now, moving to number three, it's Canyon's own bike fit. It's a little less on the details and more on just spitting out what they believe is the best bike size for you in their own brand. Obviously, because, you know, competitive cyclist is a bike shop. Wrench Science is a bike shop. They have to spit out generalized recommendations where Canyon doesn't have to do that. 
The only troublesome thing for me when it comes to this is you can't see what they're actually basing this recommendation on. There is talk on certain forums that they spit out the wrong thing when it comes to, say, time trial bikes, but then road frames can be okay. I wouldn't just believe this measurement in isolation. You are dropping a, a wad of cash on it, and you am I pointing out the obvious here by saying that it's, it would just be a little silly just to go with this recommendation and not do other checks? My process may be a little bit over the top, but it it puts my mind at ease that I've done everything possible bar riding the bike to make sure that I get the right one, and specifically because it'd be a major pain in the ass to return this bike, so I want to get it right the first time, and because I got it wrong in the past, but I would say that it's the perfect recommendation because it's what I'm going to buy, but I can't put all the weight on just trusting it straight out of the gate. So my vote is for the Wrench Science one as being the most accurate to what I prefer and the style of bike that I want to ride. I do have a little note on bike fit calculators and something that I noticed when I was actually going through and doing the measurements. First, I did them on my own because nobody was around. Then I had somebody do them with me and there was significant differences. We're talking two, three, four centimeter differences between getting someone to do it for me properly as per the instructions and doing it myself. Now, it made me think about, is there going to be a difference between having someone else have done it for me and can potentially there be the same difference again? Well, maybe not eight centimeters for a leg length or inseam length or something, but could there be big differences if a professional did it? When you start thinking about taking measurements or when I start thinking about taking measurements, I start thinking about you know fat body percentage and the calipers and how specific and how much nutritionists or whoever is taking it train to make sure that they get the measurements spot on on different types of people, different types of limb lengths and body fat percentages. They'd spend a lot of time trying to get this right. And so I think it's the same thing when it comes to measuring a body. You know, it's quite easy to say measure it where the joint moves, but there's a large range of variation of where that joint actually moves and, and where the actual measurements should be coming from. This brings up a point as far as bike fit is concerned and how to do it on your own. I am going to look into the best way that you can do this, figuring out how you can do it yourself to try and knock down these variables. We'll see how successful I I am at coming up with something to help you do this at home without getting a professional. But really, if you do have any doubts in your mind about what bike to buy, then going to see someone that knows what they're doing. If you're going to a bike shop, it's a bit of an insult to go to a bike shop and ask them to fit you up for buying a bike online. You're better probably going to a physio that does bike fits or even someone at the very least in your club or that knows what they're talking about to have a look at you on certain bikes and then figure out what's going to be best for you. That goes a little bit against what I'm kind of trying to bring out here in regards to you just being able to do this on your own. I'm in a unique situation where I am, so I'm forced to do this more on my own. But if you do have other people around you that can help you, then I would definitely hit them up and ask for some advice. Now, let's get to the tech hacks and products section. And do you know about packing surgical gloves in with your spares? If you don't, here is the lowdown. With white bar tape being more prevalent and the semi-pro having to fix all of their own flats, no wheel changes here, surgical gloves will save you from getting your hands dirty on the change. Having dirty hands is almost like having a shark bite on your calf. Almost. I say almost because we know anyone with a shark bite is a total noob. But pack some surgical gloves into your kit with your spare tube. If you have to pick up a chain off your frame or you have to change a tire or do anything while you're out riding, put the gloves on and you will definitely 
thank me later. Now, let's get to that quote from the top of the show, and it is B. Rad Wiggins. Yes, Bradley Wiggins, talking shit as per usual in press conferences. He was in a good mood this day. We know that he can turn. There's a little bit of French in this, which was kind of fun for me to try and figure out, but we know that he can turn on a bad day and not even speak French to the French. Ooh, what a C-U-N-T that man can be. But anyway, it's fun. I'll put the whole clip at the end of the episode so you can have a listen to it. But that is it for another show. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. Oh, whatever you know. I don't care. Whatever. Just ask the questions because I've got to get home. No, Jamie. Does he miss you? Is there someone else who wants to get into a question? Propaganda. This is turning into a bit of a fucking... Oh, okay. oh. Yeah, no, you're okay. Why on a, on a crevé? Uh, ouais, mais j'ai pas de difficulté après. C'est toi, Non, mais attends. You should work for our government in the UK. You make a brilliant spin doctor. Um, yeah, David Cameron, you should work for David Cameron. You don't know what I'm saying, do you? What? And, uh, on a gagné. Comme on a vu, Donc, euh, on a fait la, vraiment fait la course le dernier 5 Mais ça descendait un peu vers Quoi Quoi Ça descendait un peu vers l'arrivée. Ouais, dernier kilomètre, c'était. Ouais. Heureusement, le match a Pourquoi Heureusement. Parce que ça va plus vite. Est-ce que tu as fait le vélo, toi Non, non. Non, jamais. Ça, c'est. Ah, ouais, tu l'as fait. T'as gagné, tu l'as remonté Non, j'ai gagné Ouais Ouais, c'est peut-être le... Non, le match avec Cabelle. C'est... Euh, ouais. C'est là que je me réveille. Ouais, see you tomorrow. Merci. Try to think of some good questions between now and then. Ouais.